Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20-minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Mr. David Henson. How are you, David? I'm good, thanks, Amy. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. So what is it you're doing at the moment, Dave? At the moment, I'm sitting here talking to you, obviously, but uh, in my working life, I am busy. I've been quite busy working on a number of different things. But like all of us, I think over the last you know 18 months, we've all been through this, this situation and we're all having to, I don't like the word, but pivot our businesses, change what we're doing. So I've got a number of um, new ideas that I'm working on at the moment as well. Sounds intriguing. Tell us more. Well, I produce slide presentations, um, as you know, obviously, but uh, for the benefit of the listeners here, well, I produce slide presentations. I, I design and produce presentations mostly as my main gig. And I also train people in how to produce better presentations, run workshops and that kind of thing. And I think the thing that I'm looking to do in 2022 is productize productize my business a little bit more so produce products um started working on on online course this year haven't got very far with it i will admit to be quite honest um there's a lot of work involved in it but also other products that i can produce within powerpoint for example that could be useful for companies and people in uh, in business and you touched there on something day, which I just wanted to pull on, which was better presentations. So not just train people on presentations, but on better presentations. Tell us about the sort of distinction you're making there. Well, I think um, when I say presentations, I think I try to encompass that as visual communications, which could mean a range of things, but it does mostly mean slide presentations. Um, and when I say better presentations, you and I know, and everyone knows that most people, when they produce slides well they're not very good are they let's put it that way my my book is called your slides suck and i think that probably um <laughs> encompasses the uh, my opinion of most people's slide presentations so in a lot of cases it's not difficult to tell people that i can make it better in some cases you know it may, may be a bit more tricky some people do actually produce half decent presentations but when i say better presentations it's really about making your communication in whatever form you do it, congruent with what you're saying and not clashing with what you're saying. A lot of people will produce presentations, visual communications that clash with what they're saying on stage or on screen. Um, and if it's doing that, then it's really not doing its job properly. In some cases, it maybe shouldn't even be there at all. So um, my job is to make your presentations, your visual communications work 
with you as a presenter? So working with you, so it's it's like a companion, a companion that's almost like a a, a partner. Absolutely. This is something I've been saying quite a lot recently that um, you could treat your slides as though they were someone else on stage with you. Now, if you were talking on stage or on screen, <clears throat> obviously we've been, been doing that, a lot of that over the last uh, couple of years. If you were talking on stage or on screen with someone else, you would want them to be as good as you, as professional as you, as well turned out as you. And yet, if you look at someone's slides, some people's slides, some professional speakers' slides as well, um, they don't reach that criteria. They don't fulfill that criteria. Um, their slides don't act as a professional partner to them when they're when they're speaking. Um, so I try to get people to think of it in that way. If you know, you know, if you want to up your presentation game, think of your slides as being your partner on stage, and then. I think if you start thinking of them that way, you'll start working on making them better. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And designing, producing presentations, something that you've been working on at least for the, during lockdown. What were you doing before, Dave? Do you want me to go back to when I first started work? That's many, many years ago. Take us back <laughs> to wherever you feel is relevant. <laughs> well, when I, when I left school, I wanted to be a photographer. I joined a photographic company. I'll keep this short, by the way. I joined a photographic company and um, ended up going through their colour printing department and then into the audio-visual department where I produced slides. Back in the old days, 35 mil slides. For anyone younger than the age of about 40, you won't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but we produced 35 mil slides. And I started my first business in 1986, which was called the Regent Slide Company. Um, and I bought the computer graphics system for £7,500, which had 64 colours and two typefaces. And um, we used to produce the slides on this Apple IIe computer, which had three 365k floppy disks, no hard disks, forget hard disks, didn't exist. And then we would modem the slides off to an imaging bureau. And the modem was 300 bits per second. Not kilobits, not megabits, not gigabits, just bits per second. <laughs> Sounding really old now. Um, and they would then send the, send the slides back. And then eventually we upgraded and got ourselves a film recorder, which cost about £30,000, um, which produced the slides for us. But that was a really good business because people were starting to produce slides themselves in things like PowerPoint, um, although PowerPoint was quite late on the scene. Um, and they would send us or modem us their slides and we would then image the slides, send them back. I think we were charging something like £5.95 a shot. And we'd do thousands of these slides. So that was a good little business. But then, of course, when the projectors came along, that business went downhill very fast because people were not only able to produce their own slides, but also to project them. So we had to quickly reinvent ourselves over a period of a few years, I suppose, um, and to cut a long story short, I eventually got out of that business, sold it, and started up a web design business, which I did for several years. I was still doing some of the presentation stuff in the background for several clients, um, and it wasn't until I became kind of disillusioned with the web design business in um, only in 2016 that I decided to give that up completely and go into becoming the slide presentation man full-time. That probably wasn't as short as you was hoping, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting, isn't it? The, there is an evolution there, but there's also a recognition of when you've had enough. Yes, 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think we probably all go through those kind of cycles. Um, I, I'd certainly had enough of working for a company in the early '80s, so I started my own business. Um, I that first business, although I sold it, I was growing weary of it towards the end because we'd gone round full circle in, in some ways that we, we were no longer doing what I set the business up to do. Um, and then the web design business, I think with the web design business, there were several things, but one of the things that I was finding was that I, in my mind, and I'm not, I don't have any fixed evidence for this, in my mind it was becoming a young man's game and I was feeling I was losing out on business because um, I was getting um, a little bit more senior, shall we say. So your desire to be a photographer, did you fulfill that? It, no, no, not not a full-time professional photographer. It's funny you should ask that because I um, one of the things I want to get back into again um, is the photography. And I, yesterday I bought myself a new camera. I haven't got it yet, but it's a nice professional camera. Um, and I intend to use that not only for leisure, but also for um, professional purposes. Um, anyway, I digress. No, I never became... Um, although I have done some professional photography, I never became a full-time photographer. And, um, yeah, I, it would have been nice to do that. But I think sometimes life just takes you off in different directions, doesn't it? And um, the, the course that I was doing in photography was a day release course. And the photographic company I worked for allowed me to take that day off a week to do that. But at the same time, of course, um, I was working for them and quite enjoying what I was doing, promoted to um, supervise the department at the, at the age of 19. And, um, um, yeah, just in, enjoyed, enjoyed that work. It was, it was quite a lot of pressure. But, um, yeah, so I never really became, um, became a photographer as such. And it's interesting because you said oh, you sort of going off subject here, but I don't think you are. I think that this is the thing about purpose is that it does reveal itself early on in life. It sort of shows you what your interests are and you bat them away and then you come back to them later on again in life. I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think um, there's a lot of things that I was interested in when I was younger that that uh, I kind of think I'd like to get interested in again now. And the photography has always been in the background. Um, of course, with photography, it's so easy now because we have these brilliant cameras in our pockets with our with our phones, um, and they can do so much. I mean, I carry mine around all the time, and I've got a, a phone that has a very good camera on it, but I really have been getting the urge to get a decent camera with a decent lens. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to go back to that again, and I really, I'm really looking forward just to getting out and about and um, and, and snapping some pics. And you, you mentioned leisure and professionally that you're going to be using this. So will you be taking photographs and you, being able to sort of sell them or use them in your presentations? Yes, um, use them in the products I'm thinking of mm -hmm. and use them in the presentations, certainly. Um, probably submit some to picture libraries, uh, probably the free picture libraries. The reason being is I feel slightly guilty because I've been using loads and loads of free images over the last few years never really given anything back so I think I should probably put a few pictures onto the uh, <laughs> onto the, the free stock libraries to, uh, to to repay them for providing me with quite a lot of um, images over the over the course of a few years. That sounds wonderful and I look forward to seeing them because I, I know you've got a good eye for this thing you've got that creative artistic eye of, of knowing what's right and what's wrong quite quickly. Yeah, and I think you get. I think you learn that as a photographer. I learned that quite early on. Um, you know, you learn how to frame an image. You learn what makes a good picture. Um, and I, I think I've still got that photographer's eye when I'm going about looking at things and taking or taking pictures on the phone. Um, I, I, yeah, I do enjoy that composition, uh, compositional aspect of photography. 
Brilliant. So what's the purpose piece, Dave? You know, where's that, where does that figure in all of this? What, the photography? Yeah, or, or in, in your work, in, in, or is, does it sort of feature more in, in the way that you approach your work? Well, the purpose, I mean, the purpose of my work as the slide presentation man specifically is to help people to communicate better. So it's just, it, it it's something that I don't like using the word passionate because it, it, everyone uses that word, but I, I love the reaction that I get from people when you produce something that actually works for them and they go, wow, that's, you know, they didn't realize it was going to be quite that good if I can say that without sounding big headed. Um, and I think the, one of the issues, one of the things that I also enjoy as a purpose is to get information across in a way that people can understand. And there was this really terrible graph last year that was produced by the NHS, which was presented by Boris and Chris Whitty and Sir Patrick Valance. It was produced and um, presented at the end of October, beginning of November last year, when they were trying to justify last Christmas's lockdown. And this slide was showing, the, was supposed to show or illustrate the reason why they were locking down the country and it was a terrible slide and it was too it was really really complicated and the the reaction that people are going to have to that is is one of two things they're going to either say that's really complicated and scientific therefore it must be true so we'll do what the government says or more likely they're going to say that's really complicated scientific are they trying to pull the wool over our eyes i'm not going to do what the government says so what i did is i produced some slides that were a lot better and a lot clearer and just focused on that message and um, put it on LinkedIn and a couple of comments on LinkedIn. It, was like, it got a lot, a lot of traction and a couple of comments were to the, um, were saying things like this sort of slide can save lives. And I thought, wow, that is, that's a, a, well, a big ambition, isn't it? Or a big aim to have if a slide or a bit of visual communication can be that, precise and um, convey the information in that way that it saves lives. Um, now, I admit most of the slides I produce in my day-to-day -day business don't save lives, but the point is they your presentation should have an effect on the people you're presenting to, and if your slides just leave them baffled or bored, even worse, they're not going to have that effect. Yeah, it's powerful. It really is. And and there's that message of, of how the audience are left after you have or whilst you are delivering your presentation. And then what is it they're going to do as a result of is what you're you're speaking about here. And visual imagery is so much more powerful or can be sometimes than the just the, the sort of audible message. So what is it that for you gets you up every morning in terms of communication and better communication well i suppose i think like uh, a lot of people um it's i think this is probably true of a lot of areas of work it's the feedback that you get from people you know it's when you do a good job that pre so i suppose it's a bit like being a dog and saying good boy well done good boy but you know what i mean it's that feedback you get from people that appreciation that you get from people. I mean, I enjoy the whole process of doing it. I enjoy, I enjoy the whole process of talking to someone and finding out their ideas, finding out what their communication strategy and aim is all about. 
and then translating that into visuals, or in some cases, as you kind of alluded to just then, Amy, um, turning around to them and saying, do you know what? You don't need to use slides. Your communication is good. You're a good enough speaker, and the message you're trying to get across and the story you're telling does not need to be backed up with visuals. You can do it just by talking to your audience. Um, and, and I'm quite happy to do that if, if, you know, it might mean that I shoot myself in the foot and don't get the, uh, <clears throat> the business, but um, I'd rather be honest with the client and say to them, you don't need to use slides, then go ahead and produce something they actually don't need. But yeah, going through the whole process of talking to the customer, understanding their message, understanding what they're trying to say, and then converting that into a, uh, into a deck of visuals that they can use, and then getting that feedback afterwards when they hopefully say, wow, that's brilliant. <laughs> The, um, that's that's probably the reason I do it, and for the, and for the money, of course. <laughs> and, and the focus has been a lot on on your working life, and because you made that distinction right at the beginning, and, and talking about how you've been working on a number of things, and we, we've been talking about the purpose of your work. Is is there a, a separate world that you that you have purpose in that you that you bring differently or approach differently to the working life side? I, I, I've worked from home now since 2002. I've got an office or a studio, as I like to call it, not a shed, um, but a studio in my in my back garden, which keeps work and home separate to a certain extent. Um, and I've kind of uh, it, the thing about my work is that I enjoy it. I enjoy it almost like a hobby. Um, so you know, I've reached the age now where I could semi-retire, and I'm you know, I'm, I am kind of thinking of doing other leisurely things. But because I, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy, enjoy my work, <clears throat> a bit like a friend of mine who uh, who's retired about the same age as me, and he has his model railway, and, <laughs> or as I call it, a train set, which really annoys him. Um, but uh, he, um, you know, goes up in his loft and locks himself away and works on this uh, this model railway. And um, this is kind of my model railway, my work. So, so to a certain extent, I define myself by my work. But yeah, there is, of course, there is a family outside of. Uh, outside of work um but, it, but i think working from home even though i'm working out in my uh, in my studio does mean that there is a blurring of lines between your work and your home whereas before when i ran my business it was in central london and i would get on a train and there'll be this buffer between going to work and coming home it was and i quite actually i quite appreciate that buffer i miss it to a certain extent because that was my thinking time or it was either my thinking time, or if I'd had a bad day, it might have been, you know, get a can of beer and sit on the train and just read the paper time. But it was that nice buffer between work and home. Whereas now, if I've had a bad day at work, which doesn't happen very often, I'll just go straight indoors and I'll still be in a, you know, bad frame of mind. Um, so I think that there is a blurring of of work and life. Um, but that, but that's also a good thing to a certain extent because because it means that if I want to take an hour off now, not now because I'm talking to you, but if I want to take an hour off, I can just go out, go for a ride on the bike, walk down, go down to the coffee shop, um, and you know, so there is this, it, it merges together to a certain extent, which is not, I don't, which I don't think is a bad thing. It doesn't, it doesn't stress me out. I don't mind taking my laptop on a holiday um, and occasionally doing stuff. Um, you know, my, my wife doesn't go mad unless I'm unless I sat there all day long doing something. But you know, I might check emails in the morning, um, and it's not a problem. It don't it doesn't stress me out to do that. And what about fun? How do you bring fun into your work? Because I, I I know you quite well, and I, I don't want to sort of share too much here. But 
I think that's absolutely essential, bringing fun into work. I've always had um, a fun philosophy, even when I, you know, around a business with, I had 10 people working for me. We always had fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, in fact, funny enough, I've just started a, a podcast um, which obviously you know about, Amy, called Putting the F in Fun, which is a complete diversion from everything else that I'm doing. But I'm doing it with a lady called Vicky Vaughan, and we have launched the podcast in the last couple of days. Um, it's, you know, f-in.fun is the uh, URL. And it's all about taking business topics, topics of pe- interest to people's lives, and dissecting them and discussing them in a in a fun and irreverent way, as we say. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I think bringing fun to well, any any part of life is essential. And I do it with. I mean, I, this is something about professional speaking because we know we're both in the professional speaking association, um, and it, it is mostly fun anyway. I mean, there's one or two speakers who are probably a little bit stuffy, if you like. Well, not stuffy, but probably take it quite seriously, very seriously. And I um, would like to see that expanded a bit, the, the professional part of it. Um, you know, why can't we have fun? Why can't we be a little bit edgy? Um, is that a bad thing to do? Is that a dangerous thing to do? How far can you go with the fun um, in, in business? And I, you know, I I do like to I do like to have a laugh, but obviously that doesn't mean I don't take things seriously. I take my customers and their business very seriously indeed um, and I make sure things are done to, to the best of my abilities. But, uh, yeah, have fun at the same time. And it is it is important. I, I agree with you, Dave, and, and I, I bring a fun philosophy to everything mm. I do as well because you can, of course, you can be serious and, and take things seriously, And but it, it is that just you can't park all these separate emotions that you have at the door when you step into workplace it just doesn't work like that yeah i think you're right and i think there may be some organizations where you are quite straightened you are you know you're you're narrowed down and and it takes away the um it takes away your personality to a certain extent and i think you've got got to allow that to flush even to the extent where you may end up sometimes going over that threshold um that threshold of acceptability as long as you're told this is not acceptable, and as long as you accept, you know, as long as you accept that. And if you don't, if you if you say, well, actually, you know what, I think you're going too far with this this threshold. This threshold is too low for me. Then fair enough. Maybe you need to <laughs> find something somewhere else to work. But um, but I, I think you're right. I think there needs to be this. People need to be less scared of being edgy. Without being, you know, I, would, I don't agree that. Well, I don't. Obviously, none of us agree that we should go around offending people just for the sake of it. But I think there is a spectrum of what you can and can't, what you should and shouldn't say, and there's a spectrum of how people perceive what you should and shouldn't say, and how offended they decide to be about what you say. And is that with the reason for the podcast to sort of help bl- not blur those boundaries, but just make them easier for people to have fun in their workplace? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And we and and as, and as as you know from discussions we've had. Um, Amy, we, we're kind of going about this a bit back, back to front. We, we're just doing the podcast, Vicky and I, because it's fun to do, and we're going to see what audience comes up. And a lot of people won't like it. There'll be people that say, no, "I don't don't like it for one reason or another." Um, it sometimes gets a little bit edgy, sometimes get, gets a little bit rude, but um, but it also deals with topics which are hope, which are interesting, and hopefully it delivers value as well. Um, so that's that's the general idea. We'll see how it goes, anyway. Brilliant. I don't think I'll be competing with you anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, there's, there's no competition in the podcast space, honestly. No. It, it's it's incredibly welcoming and and flexible and everybody who's in the podcasting space is appreciative of other podcasters and and I think that's very similar in in the professional speaking association is that we're all there to help each other you know give each other a leg up and realize that we've all started from scratch at some point and so you know why not give each other a hand so I was kind of I was kind of talking about numbers when I said I won't be competing with you anytime soon I mean I know that you're on like 240 and we're doing one a month at the moment so if we did one a month 240 that's what 20 years by which time I probably won't be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, up your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> but, but no, it, the reason why I did so many partly was because at the beginning of lockdown, there wasn't much else to do. So I just ended up recording a lot more podcasts than I realised. So when I went to launch, I thought, oh, my goodness, some of these episodes are not going to come out for two years <laughs> if I just oh did God. one a week. Yeah. So it was it, it had to be that I upped it and, and there was a, a large number of podcasts that got released. But it's been the most incredible project that yeah, I have. Done a, you've done a fantastic job. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, really good. And and everybody's purpose is different. Everybody's doing things and, the, and their reasons why they do these things are, mm. they're all unique. And that's what's so fantastic. And that's why I wanted to showcase, you know, your story today about how you've come from being a photographer and how you've evolved. We can say pivot to a little bit of what's the word pirouetting pirouetting yes (laughs) yeah a little bit of pirouetting here and there but from from the slides that you're you were doing originally to where they the communication has evolved what do you foresee where do you foresee people having this visual communication going forward hmm that's a good question I I don't know how the technology technology is going to involve um I, I guess there'll be plenty of systems or platforms that will help you to do things you know suggest ideas and help you produce graphics like canva for example that it, it does that um which is great i mean if it, you know if it helps you to to communicate better um then i've got no objection to those the only thing i'm the only thing that i don't like is templated platforms where you kind of try and fit your idea into a template rather than starting from, as I always suggest, even in PowerPoint, starting from a blank canvas. Because PowerPoint is rubbish in the way that it's designed because it encourages people to um, just produce bad slides. It's got a a bullet point template. Why do you need a bullet point template? You don't. Anyway, um, so I think that um, you'll you'll probably get more of these sort sort of platforms. Um, I don't know where else it's going technologically. I have to say I don't have... um, crystal ball to to see where it's going um but i think that it's from my point of view presenting is all about starting off with but don't don't go anywhere near a computer that's that's my advice when you start thinking about your presentation don't go anywhere near a computer until you've really honed down your message and your aims um, and then you can start thinking about how you go about presenting it visually it doesn't matter what tool you're using either it doesn't matter if you're using um you know if a flip chart works for you uh, then great use a flip chart and if you want to use uh, powerpoint or keynote or prezi or google slides or any of the other ones out there then, then great use them in my in my workshops it's a, it's, a, it's a full day workshop and we don't go any, anywhere near the computer until after lunch and one of the things that i do is at one point in the morning the delegates on the training course are using colored pencils to design slides 
because what I want to do is get them thinking visually using a script rather than what most people would do with that script is they would just do a series of bullet points and um and that is where we where I where I beat the bullet points out of people <laughs> and just get them to think visually and so however visual communication goes forward in future I don't think that principle changes yeah, I agree. And and the way you describe it, it is another art form. It is like being an artist, just using a different medium to create the art that you're doing. And when you describe it the way you have and how you, you can use the image or use whatever's on the slide to support you as your partner, it makes perfect sense that it is almost you know, like dancing or whatever. You need the other person to be in, in synchronicity with you. It doesn't have to say the same thing. It doesn't have to be doing the same thing exactly, but it does need to support you. So if you're doing something, it's like a lift, you know, it's the foundation for, for your speech. Yeah. I like the word synchronicity. I, I, I use the word congruence as a I think I said the word earlier, um, but the slide has to be congruent. It has to has to fit with like it's like a hand in a glove or a, or a jigsaw puzzle. Um, what you what you don't want is to have any part of your communication clashing with you. So, you know, for example, you just don't read your slides from the screen. You know, that's that's rule number one of of you, you know you can tell someone that in twenty seconds as I've just done there. Don't read from the screen. You know. Um, because, you know, simply the audience is going to try and read from the screen and they'll be well ahead of where you are by the time you've finished saying what you're saying. Um, and, they, and they get cognitively exhausted trying to read and listen at the same time. If you're going to put all your slides on, um, all your words on a slide, then put them on the slide, put them on the screen, say to the audience, here's my presentation. And while they're reading it, go and sit down and have a cup of tea. You haven't got to worry about standing up and presenting it, <laughs> you know. Or the alternative, as I always say to people, if you really need to have your notes on the slide as a prompt, absolutely fine, no problem. But don't inflict your notes on your audience. Unplug the projector or, turn, or stop sharing a screen on Zoom and, and use your slides as a prompt. No problem with that. It's like having an auto cue. But don't inflict your slide notes or your auto cue or your script on your audience. Yeah, I love that. And and I love that phrase of being cognitively exhausted, because I think there's everybody who's listening right now will literally just like drop that shoulder and just go, oh, yeah, I've so been there. You know, when you, 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 you turn up to that particular presentation and then you see the first slide, you go, OK, here we go. Yeah. Oh, God, I know. It's just, and I, how I, long I was, does this talk? <laughs> oh, I know. It's just, I mean, we've all been there. We've all, we've all, we've all been in an audience. I was at an, um, a a talk at the Institute of Directors a couple of years ago before lockdown, and there was this guy. He was very good at what he did, but oh my god, um, these slides! And he and he said right at the beginning, he says I've got sixty three slides to present, and I thought, okay, that's not a problem. I don't care how many slides you've got if they're all good, then that's great. Um, but of course they weren't, and um, he was reading from the slides, and I was getting bored. In the end, I was looking at my phone. And I think I was doodling with a pencil on a bit of paper. And I looked up thinking he must be getting near the end now. And his slides were numbered. And I looked up thinking he was getting near the end now. And he was on slide 27, so he wasn't even halfway through. And I thought, oh, my God. So, yeah, I switched off. So I don't know what he was talking about in the end, which is such a shame because, as I say, I've I'd seen the guy talk before, not on stage, but, you know, in networking. Um, and I knew that he was good at what he did, but he didn't convey that in that presentation. 
And does your business card simply say your slides suck and just pass them around to people? Don't it you? says on, on on the back it has a picture of the book cover, your slides suck. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't normally hold it that way up because that could be a little bit insulting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the title of the book is Edgy on Purpose. Um, but, of course, you know, if I'm, if I'm dealing with a customer <clears> – <throat> I'm a lot more polite than that. <laughs> um, I, I would tend to say to them, look, I think your presentation could be made more effective. Um, and, so, and more often than not, they, they, they will politely um, answer me. One or two people have come, turned around and said, no, I think my slides are fine. And if that's their opinion, then, then great. I'm not going to, uh, you know, I can't force them to, to up their game, can I? No, not at all. So in terms of upping your game, You've shared that you're going to productize some of your services, that you, you might take some more days off now that you are edging towards semi-retirement and mm. doing some more photography. Anything else that's on the horizon for you? A, a book number two? Well, funny you say that. Um, I, have, I, ha, I had absolutely no ambition to do book number two. But one of the ideas I've got for next year, which I'm just going to keep under my hat for the time being, might prompt book number two. But um, this is all to do with, like, well, I, I'll tell you a bit about it. It's all to do with um, producing kind of, what do we call it, entertainment or games, um, f but using a, a visual medium such as PowerPoint. Um, so you may have heard of, you know, slideshow karaoke, for example, where people have to stand on stage and, and speak to a set of slides that they've never seen before. So that's one of the ideas. So producing, you know, slideshow karaoke slide decks that people can purchase for conferences and events um, and other types of visual games, quizzes, that kind of thing. So it's kind of an experiential process that people you know experiential speaking as you know we, we both know jackie barry who's produced a book called experiential speaking which is brilliant all to do with uh icebreakers and games and diversions that you can use um from stage i'm just taking that um into the visual arena to a certain extent that sounds wonderful and i'd love that because slideshow karaoke is one of the best games to play it is so much fun and incredible just how brilliant some people are and some people yeah. aren't so yeah, yeah. amazing dave i'm really looking forward to book number two you're gonna to have to fulfill <laughs> that promise now <laughs> i shouldn't have said i shouldn't have said it live on your show amy should i now i've got to, i've got to put myself in a position where i just have to do it yeah well why not when there's a demand for it it's a case of absolutely that's what mm. you're doing is supply and demand Dave, it's been a pleasure talking about all things slides with you. And I know for sure your slides definitely don't suck. So thank you for bringing your expertise to the space. How will people get in contact with you? Where, where's the best place for them to reach out? Uh, my website is www.theslidepresentationman.co.uk. Quite a uh, Ron Seal kind of name. That's what it says on the tin. And if you look up David Henson on LinkedIn. I think it's David Henson presents my URL on LinkedIn, if I remember rightly. I am I'm on there. Love to connect with anyone that wants to do so. Um, so yeah, those are the uh, the main two ways of getting in touch. And tuning into that podcast again. Of course, tuning into the putting the f in fun podcast as my uh, as as my side project. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'll make sure all of those links go into the show notes. So thank you for those. Dave, thank you again for coming on Focus on Why. Please share with the audience some final words. Well, audience, if you ever sit in, if you ever are a member of an audience sitting there 
watching a slide presentation that is boring you to death, making you want to gouge out your own eyes with a rusty spoon. You know where to come, and, but you know you're not alone. I am on a mission to try to banish bad visual communications. I'm doing my best. It's going to be a long job, though. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.